the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, anyway, so what, what is this? Uh, this is a podcast. Is this just any podcast? Yeah, it's any podcast. That's the name of the podcast. We should call the podcast Here Comes Any Podcast, which is a great uh, Finnegan's Wake reference. I don't get it. I never read Finnegan's Wake. Well, not many people have. <laughs> have, have you read it? I just got a copy recently. Um, Are you reading it currently? I am. I can read like two pages at a time, basically. That's, uh, that's sad. Well, it's like, it's, it's, it's essentially post-language. So are, uh, so are you and I. When I describe this show, I say, think of it as basically post-language. But like, I mean, it's post-language in an intellectual way, and ours is like post-language in an idiotic, inarticulate way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, Project A Plus is the name of the show. Um, and is this any old episode of the program, or is there something different? Uh, yes, I believe it is. This is just any, any episode. <laughs> So, uh, what are we going to talk about? A Netflix original film starring a mediocrely talented director. And we're not going to like it. And it's going to be a pretty boring discussion. And we're going to agree about how much we don't like it. And a classic film that neither of us, that both of us like or respect, but neither of us can articulate our feelings about particularly well. (laughs) Um, What else? (laughs) And fumbling conversations about films we've watched uh, over the past week. Uh, yeah, that's about the long and short of it. So just uh, take that summary, and then you've got the show, and you don't even need to listen to it anymore. So turn off. So if you are currently listening to this episode, I want you to stop listening to it, and then unsubscribe from the podcast, and then <laughs> and come, leave us a one star review. Come to New York and shoot me in the face, and then go to <laughs> Melbourne and shoot you in the face. Oh, I get to live longer. Yeah, yeah, but only slightly. But I've already lived so long already, so it really should be me first. Well, that's why that's why he's making you live longer because for you death is a release. Oh, it's a punishment, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, did you know that? Uh, well, this is me adjusting the listener now. We were actually lying to you when we said uh, that this is not a special episode. This is a very special episode. What? And yeah, I know this is news to you too, Hugh. Uh, Stop clicking, motherfucker. <laughs> I hope that you've uh, prepared all the stuff that we were gonna do. Um, Holy moly. Because today we're going to do a special uh, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe episode, which is uh, driven by the recent release of Avengers Endgame. Mm. Um, where we're going to talk about Endgame and then maybe go into some of the other movies. We're going to rank them. We are. It should be a blast. Off the smash success of our um, uh, Mission Impossible special. Yes, yes, that was classic. Uh, what was I going to say? Whenever I see the the name Avengers Endgame, mm-hmm. you know how when your brain processes a word, it's technically not reading every letter in sequence. Yeah. It's like taking shortcuts. Yeah, so yeah. I constantly think edamame, Avengers <laughs> edamame. <laughs> that's, that's really funny. Because <laughs> it starts with the same uh, three letters and ends with the same three letters. And this, so if you, if you don't look in the middle... But uh, we do look in the middle here. That's that's the show. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We've gone to that length for our listeners uh, of passing the yeah. title correctly. We read, we read the entire title, not just the first couple of letters. Mm. Um, so do you want to start or do you want to keep on 
Uh, bullshitting. What did you have for breakfast? We had to do breakfast talk, of course. Uh, uh, quickly do a clean intro, uh, just in case there's too much uh, broken continuity. Okay. I'm Hunter. He's you. We're doing a vendor special. Yep. Cool. That clean enough? Yep. That's perfect. Great. Actually, we're doing a Marvel Cinematic Universe special, not yeah. merely the Avengers, even if that is the, the central tenet of the universe. Yeah, I'm sorry. As I, as I mentioned before, I do have a headache, so forgive me. Mm. I'm a little discombobulated today. Do we have any hilarious anecdotes to unburden ourselves of? I, I do have, I, I actually do have one that was pretty funny. Cool. Uh, which is that I went and saw the movie Her Smell uh-huh. on Friday. And by Avengers Endgame championing director, possibly sarcastic champion director Alex Ross Perry. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, a, a longtime favorite of mine, I'd say. Yeah, I've enjoyed pretty much every movie he's directed, and I won't spoil what I feel about her smell, but um, but oh, excuse me, but um, <laughs> staying in, uh, I went and saw the film, yeah, and for you know, uh, I had to relieve myself. Um, so of what exactly? My urine <laughs> that had that had started uh, that had uh, accumulated, accumulated in itself in my bladder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went for the same way of describing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I went, uh, and I, I was at the IFC Center, which is a local New York theater. Did you go there when you were in the city? I can't remember. Yeah, so it's a pretty venerable theater. Uh, and you know, it has a mostly plays independent uh, film, and they have their own release banners stuff like that. Um, and anyway, so this is all building up to me saying this, which is had to relieve myself before the movie. I uh, walked down the stairs and navigated through the labyrinthine hallway, set of hallways that led to the bathroom. I opened the door to the bathroom. What did I discover inside of there, Hugh? Uh, is this just like the stall or the actual whole bathroom area? The entire bathroom. This is the, okay. the specific uh, story relates to the um, uh, kitchen or the kitchen. Jesus Christ, the sink area. <laughs> the sink area. <laughs> that did remind me that when I saw uh, Avengers myself, someone had left their popcorn at the uh, the sink while they went to the bathroom, That's and strange. then forgotten about it. First of all, that's disgusting. <laughs> you should have taken. I mean, it you need to buy. You need to go to the bath. It's a bit. It's a bit tricky in some situations. But I often need to go to the bathroom first, then. Well, buy can I tell my goddamn story before popcorn. I do that? All right, get back, get back, get back. So, because you um, called it a kitchen, it set me off. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, in this sink area, what did I discover? But a man uh, with a bag from the grocery chain Trader Joe's, which yes. Uh, and he had in his hand, um, the tap was on, of course. Uh, he was holding something under the tap, which was a box of crepes that he was washing off. What? Uh, yeah. He was washing off a box of crepes. Uh, grapes. So grapes. Oh, grapes. Yeah. Okay, I also think a box of crepes is weird. Yeah, it is. So it was a box of grapes. <laughs> so he was washing off the actual box. Well, he's, or like it's a, it, the water was actually... Touch so, grapes, like through the plastic it's, container. It's, um, I don't know how grapes are sold in Australia, but in America, it's all often a box that has a bunch of holes cut in it, so you can wash them in the box. Yeah, like like strawberries and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. So uh, it's a very strange sight to 
precede my motion picture. That is not how grapes are usually sold here, in fact. They're usually just freeform. Um, so are they, like, plucked off the stems? No, it's usually a stem of grapes. Okay. But it's in a box. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Well. Um, often what people do at Australian supermarkets is they will snack on the <laughs> grapes while they're browsing. That's funny. The, the supermarket, especially if they've got kids or something. That's funny. Um, okay, but uh, so that is what I saw beforehand. And I'm really hoping that that gentleman uh, took those griefs into the movie that he was seeing and ate them while he was watching, you know, watching the movie. But I can't confirm that. So, um, yeah, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so we, do we want to say like our general feelings about the MCU as a whole? I guess we've discussed a number of those films on the podcast already, so I don't know if we necessarily... I would say that you're. Pro- I'm probably more enthusiastic about them than you are. Yeah. But I think we both have some investment yeah. in the in the franchise, and, um, and that's not just as a, a a work of cinema, but also investment that is born from our history of reading comic books as kids and stuff. So we're definitely not um, opposed to the idea of liking comic book movies, and there are, f- there are quite a few that I like quite a bit, and I like quite a few MCU films quite a bit as well. Hmm. Um, so. Shall we get to the ranking, or do you should we speak a bit more? No, let's just let's just dive into it. I think our, our feelings will uh, emerge organically. We'll put ourselves out of our misery with this terrible segment. Uh, my number twenty one is uh, a little a little movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> directed by a renowned, somewhat renowned director, especially uh, given the typical uh, who the MCU pulls from. This is not, it uh, doesn't really fall into either of their two categories, which are uh, independent filmmakers or uh, people who are studio hacks, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a, um, a departure for them. Well, not a departure, but it's so, sort of a, a irregularity for that reason. Uh, and it is Kenny Branagh's uh, 2007, 2011 <laughs> a disaster. <laughs> Uh, Thor, <laughs> yeah, which is a uh, wretched movie um, mm-hmm. that uh, is pretty unwatchable. Um, I think I don't, I don't know. It's it's just not. There's just nothing that good about it. The humor just is is too um, broad and and goofy. Uh, there's so many canted angles in it. The plot line is just annoying. <laughs> um, I do think it is bolstered by uh, the, some of the performances, um, but overall, it's just a just a bad film. Okay. What is your number twenty-one? My number twenty-one, and I'm operating purely from memory because I had no desire to watch it again. But my number twenty-one is the Incredible Hulk, mm. which is uh, I mean, it's frequently listed as the worst. MCU film on lists that I've come across. Mm-hmm. Um, but truthfully, it is the most miserable experience I've had with an MCU film. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> and that's without revisiting it. So I, I can't say if uh, I've my tastes have changed since then, but it felt really humorless and extremely dull, even though it was, uh, I think it was pretty brief as far as they go. Yeah, it's, I think it's like um, sub two hours. But uh, part of my problem was that I was actually a big fan of uh, Ang Lee's Hulk film. Ah. 
in in contrast to that, I found it particularly weak. So mm, I've never I seen just that movie. did not enjoy it. It just gave me the least joy. So that's why it's the bottom. It makes sense for me. That makes sense. And what's your number twenty? My number twenty is a film, a little film uh, that. Um, you may remember from, uh, if you go on the, the website, uh, slantmagazine.com, uh, this was their top-rated one. Yeah, huh? It is my second bottom one, which is Doctor Strange, um, which I think is a film that uh, stars a character I find terminally boring uh, in a an actor who I don't much care for um, in a performance that I think is weak and... Uh, sort of saddled by the um, unfortunate uh, dull American accent. Uh, it's just it's just sort of uh, bland. I do think it has some very nice visuals, but that hardly redeems it for just being uh, boring and uh, I don't know anything else to say besides that. I just find it to be generic and just kind of a letdown. It does have... I, I do think the end sequence is very entertaining. And I almost think that part uh, is worth watching the entire movie for. Mm. Um, where he finally shows down uh, with Dormammu. Um, but beyond that, I think the movie is suffers from an extreme lack of uh, unique voice. Uh, I don't really care for it for that reason. What is your number 20, my good friend? Uh, my number 20 is Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm. <laughs> okay. Which I found... Uh, I, I think this is a personal attack, I think. I found that interminable. Mm. Uh, it was just an absolute mess. I, I know behind the scenes it was a, a mess and there were creative conflicts and all that sort of stuff, but at the end of the day it's, it's a pretty miserable experience. It's just it just absolutely devolved into nonsense, and I enjoyed nothing about it. Basically, wow, wow, interesting. Well, you'll see that film uh, elsewhere on my list. Number one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my number nineteen is a film uh, that shares one word with uh, your the film that you just talked about. Uh, can you guess what word that is? Avengers. Uh huh, and it is. Avengers Endgame, no, it's uh, Avengers, the original one, <laughs> mm. which uh, I never really liked. Um, I just think it's the it's just it's just it suffers from the same problems that everything that Joss Whedon has ever made it uh, suffers from, and that all the characters sort of seem exactly the same, and they all uh, are defined almost exclusively by uh, making quips. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Loki is. I mean, I like Loki and. Some of the other movies that he's in, but in here he's just really boring, uh, and uh, I don't know. Like the movie sort of suffers by wanting to make him a protagonist, but also having to have like these cosmic uh, aims for or an antagonist rather, and also having to set up like the rest of the you know infinity nonsense. Um, and I think it sort of undercuts him too, and also because they didn't want to make him that bad, uh, so that they could you know redeem him in other movies. Um, so he's just kind of like, whatever, uh, I just don't find it that fun or that funny. I think it's really, um, the, the actual film craft is, is very bland too. Uh, I do think it has some moments that are enjoyable, but, uh, as a whole, I don't really, uh, understand the 
high um, ranking that it typically receives. Mm, uh, fair enough. I find pretty much every other other Avenger. Uh, I do find every other Avengers movie more satisfying than it. So that, there you go. The original Avengers, my number nineteen. Okay, uh, what is your nineteen? My number nineteen is a film we've already discussed, which is Thor. Oh, that piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember seeing this at the, uh, in cinemas, and it was absolutely terrible. Um, especially the the like uh, side character stuff with Natalie Portman and, and Stellan Starsgard is just so embarrassing. Uh, what's your number 18? My number 18, uh, is a film that you recently mentioned. It's actually your number, uh, 21, which is The Incredible Hulk. Wow. <laughs> which I actually, you know, I went into it, uh, never having seen it before, with the lowest of expectations. Mm. It's always ranked at the bottom or near the bottom, um, of those lists of, that people make of the films. Um, and I have to say, I think, I think it is, uh, mildly enjoyable. <laughs> I think Edward Norton is terrible as the Hulk. Yeah, I mean, that's the worst part, I think, is him. And both Ruffalo, I, I mean, I can't say both, because I don't know how Eric Bana is, but Ruffalo, Ruffalo is, like, like, a million steps ahead of him. Mm. Um, and, uh, I feel like a lot of the film's problems sort of rest on Norton, uh, especially if you read sort of some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with him. And, yeah, I think he's bland uh, and interesting in a sort of uh, Cortez movie. But I do think this film has uh, is really uh, gross, and I like that about it. There's a lot of, like, um, you know, needles going into people and people undergoing disgusting transformations. I think Tim Roth is really fun as the villain, <laughs> who whose whole motivation is he wants to fight. He wants to fight the Hulk, and he turns himself into a disgusting creature to do so. I, I like. I, I also really enjoyed the bits that were obviously setups for sequels that never happened, like um, uh, like Tim Blake Nelson's character getting dripped on by uh, Hulk blood and his brain transforming, which is also disgusting. Uh, but it never that he never comes back, which I think is uh, funny and enjoyable. Uh, it also has my single favorite Stanley cameo in all of the movies, which is. Which is that uh, the plot? The plot sort of follows Bruce Banner at the beginning as he uh, is in Brazil, I believe. I think it's Brazil. I'm I, I'm certain it's Brazil, and trying to you know live a life uh, free of Hulk stuff. Uh, he's working at a bottling factory for a soft drink, uh, and he uh, cuts himself on the machinery, and uh, the Hulk, his blood, gets in one of the. <laughs> bottles of soda that he had he bottled uh and uh, <clears throat> then the film cuts to the apartment of uh, a character played by or either just a stand-in for stan lee um who reaches for a bottle of soda that has been discolored by the whole mm, that's right i remember that and then he consumes said bottle uh, and then the film cuts from there to uh <laughs> Uh, set up featuring um, Thunderbolt Ross, his only character from this movie that uh, reappeared in any other ones besides Hulk, obviously. Um, or I guess the only character played by the same actor who reappeared in other uh, uh, MCU movies. Um, and it said there's, there have been several reported gamma radiation incidents 
And uh, I just like that this is the only one that uh, where Stanley dies as part of his cameo. So there you go. I think I think it's really funny, and I think the movie has some like goofy moments that work uh, as well. Um, I mean, it's not like a it's not a great film. It's not even a good film, I'd say. But I do think it's pretty enjoyable. You know what's funny is um, imagining if it worked out and. Uh, Edward Norton was the Hulk in all the crossover films. It just that doesn't gel with me at all because his personality is so sort of spiky and his reputation is spiky that it doesn't yeah. quite fit the. It doesn't fit team like ethos. especially in Endgame. I think that'd be such a strange fit. Hmm. Or Ragnarok or something like that would be really yeah. weird. It would be. It's a shame it didn't happen. Mm. By shame I mean probably good. Uh, so that's your number eighteen. Was it? Is that where we're at? Yeah. No, we're at. 17? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, we've done three, <laughs> right? So, yeah, that was my 18. That was my 18. Okay. So, is it my 18 now? Which is uh, Iron Man 2. Mm. Okay. Another one that is perennially ranked low. Yeah, list. I don't think it's it's quite as bad as people say it is in terms of, like, in comparison to Iron Man 1, even though I've ranked Iron Man 1 higher, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty forgettable. I do kind of like, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, yeah. I do kind of uh, like how dodgy Mickey Rourke is in the film how, how, and that sort of trashy element of it. Um, just because the idea of casting Mickey Rourke, who looks like a monster. <laughs> yeah. As, as a villain. As the monster villain. It's a tedious idea. Yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. it does. <laughs> Um, not much of else of the rest of the film works though. It's pretty pretty boring. I'll disagree with you, but we'll talk about that in a bit. That's my uh, eighteen. What's your seventeen? My seventeen is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, um, mm. which I thought was really forgettable and bland. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I, I know I know that I have a larger tolerance for the uh, climaxes of these movies than you do, as we discussed before. Or they tend to evolve into or devolve into CGI nightmares, but uh, this one I thought was just completely uh, incomprehensible, and I didn't enjoy watching it at all. Um, and uh, I will say I, that one's sort of uh, tenuous. It's totally based on my recollections of watching it when I was uh, stoned out of my mind. So uh, it could be that if I see it in the correct state uh, of mind, I will like it more, but. Who knows? Okay. So we'll see what happens with that one. So I might watch it in a couple weeks and be like, actually, I really like this movie. But as for now, it is my number 17. Okay. Well, my number 17 is a film that you've already brought up, which is Doctor Strange. Um, so I guess I was similarly underwhelmed by this, especially considering its reputation in some quarters. Yeah. Um, and uh, I didn't even find the, the visual effects stuff particularly interesting in their own right even it is sort of uh uh inception-esque yeah very much so and i I mean i i grant that it shows more cgi wit than most of the mcu films Mm. but i think that's a fairly low bar to clear yeah and uh the rest of the narrative is is pretty turgid and i agree about what's his name Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and I think he can be good in, in certain contexts, but... Um, I find him to be annoying. 
yeah, he, he's pretty bland and annoying as the the, the titular doctor. And um, the whole uh, Eastern mysticism nonsense yeah. storyline is something that we don't need to exist in this era anymore, I think. And we already saw basically the same storyline in uh, Batman Begins. So number 16, are you up to? Yeah. Uh, my number 16 is Iron Man 2. Which I basically agree with you. I don't. I don't know. My opinion of the first Iron Man two movie, Iron Man movies is basically uh, the same in that they're both perfectly watchable. Um, I think Robert Downey Jr. is very charming as the titular Man of Iron. Um, but I do find them to be just serviceable uh, and not particularly exceptional in any specific way. Um, I do think uh, Iron Man two. I think is both worse in some respects, mostly like the uh, usage of like um, the Black Widow character I thought was pretty pretty pointless uh, in, in inclusion. Um, and it's one of the few movies where you can really feel, along with Thor, uh, the uh, larger sort of demands of the um, universe uh, sort of ruining the film to some degree. Um, and, but I do think, uh, the villains in two are much better than, uh, Jeff Bridges in one, <laughs> who mm. is, uh, completely forgettable. I also enjoy Sam Rockwell as, like, the slimy idiot version of Tony Stark as well. Um, but overall, it's, it's okay. It's watchable enough. <laughs> so that's my ringing endorsement. Um, my number 16 is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Hmm. Well, our lists are pretty similar so far. <laughs> they are pretty similar. Like, we're kind of falling in the same broad uh, quadrants. Yeah. Uh, I, I was I had a pretty lukewarm experience watching this, and uh, I didn't love the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but this mm. felt like a, a marked step down, even though superficially it seems of a similar quality. Um, to me, it felt like, Hey, did you like the first Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, you're gonna love this. Yeah, and it felt very uh, calculated and kind of a misfire for me. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. But uh, that's my number sixteen. What's your number fifteen? My number fifteen is the first Iron Man, um, mm. which I think is uh, just like I said about Iron Man Two. <laughs> Again, they're pretty much the same movie for me. They're serviceable enough. Um, they're funny and, and enjoyable, but uh, nothing too exceptional about them. So mm. there you go. Okay. I don't really uh, have anything else to say besides that. It's not a really movie that I uh, uh, return to any of the uh, specific moments or lines of, uh, especially much. It's, it's just sort of good enough. And that's why it is so well. Um, what's your number? 16? 17? 15? 15. 15. Right? 15. <laughs> Let me see. We've. <laughs> We've done... Uh, 15, 15. Yeah, all right. My number 15 is Marvel's The Avengers. Again, we are putting things in, in a similar area. Um, I kind of agree with you. I don't find uh, Josh Whedon's banter particularly funny or enjoyable. Uh, it often grates on me, in fact. So, But I, I remember feeling it was a reasonably middle-tier kind of film. It was enjoyable enough, and then... Uh, with the usual terrible third act problems. 
That's about where I fall with that. What's your number 14? My number 14 is the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, which, it's, it's, it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> I remember when I watched it the first time, really, really liking it a lot. I think I've seen it, tw- I think I saw it twice in theaters, and those are the only two times I've seen it. Uh, okay. So it's just sort of stagnated in your memory. Yeah. I just, um, maybe it is tainted by the memory of the second one, but, uh, it's, mm. just, uh, it's, it's kind of the iron problem where it's good enough, you know? Uh, I think the villain in it is very bland, um, and I think some of the moments are a little too, um, you know, like forced. I don't know. Mm. Uh, do you think um, Drax is a real highlight in both of them and in the Avengers movies that he's in? Who the hell's Drax? Uh, Dave Bautista, the green guy. Uh, I think yeah. he's very funny, but uh, the rest of the cast I find to be only okay, especially Gamora in Star Wars. Mm. So, yep, that's it. What's your number 14? Uh, my number 14 is uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. Mm. Which may be our first uh, Divergent entry. Because I reckon that'll be higher on your list. Well, we'll see. I mean, it is higher on my list, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you reckon correctly. Yes. Uh, I only watched this fairly recently while I was catching up on all the films I'd missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the MCU, uh, and it's uh, it's okay. Like it makes a lot of sense uh, the type of film that it is because it really mirrors the original run of the, the comic books, and it's it's that that particular era. So it's going for a particular style. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't isn't it the guy who did the Rocketeer or yeah. something? Yeah, that's it's a, yeah. So I guess it's that style. <laughs> I used to love that film as a kid. I've never seen it. And uh, it is re- really interesting, I think, to look at the the effect that they use to wither yeah, I know. Uh, Chris Evans because sometimes it works amazingly well, and sometimes it looks like a Photoshop, <laughs> a bad Photoshop job from some angle. Yeah. So it's really it, weird. It's, like it's, it's, it, they never could keep his size consistent. <laughs> Across the different shots. No, and there's some really weird shots, particularly like him in the car next to... Yeah, that's the uh, one that I was thinking of, where they look the same size, basically. Which is so funny. (laughs) And then in the next sequence, he's like like a foot shorter than she is. It's very strange. Um, But there are are genuine, like, whole shots that look amazing for the time. I agree. I think about the World's Fair looks pretty good. Like, it it holds up better than all the de-aging effects that they've done so far, maybe save... Samuel L. Jackson in Captain Marvel, I think. Mm. That was probably the most interesting part for me of the film. I just liked, uh, I liked kind of that, that element uh, just as an effects thing. And, uh, and then, you know, it was kind of boring by the end, to be honest. And the whole romance between him and, tell me her character's name, please. Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter, Agent Carter, is so undercooked and flimsy that the subsequent developments, I guess we'll, we'll talk about, uh, have never worked for me. Um, but they, that film does introduce an uh, important set of screenwriters who would go on to write uh, all the other Captain America movies and also... Uh, the Dark World. The Dark World and the last two Avenger movies. Mm-hmm. So. The McFeely and McFly or whatever they're called. <laughs> McFeely and McFly, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus and McFeely, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who also wrote the uh, great film Pain and Gain. <laughs> what is that? 
I looked at that. I looked a, at the credits. It's a Michael Bay movie that I okay. actually oh, quite, yes, that's I quite right. like yes, it. Yes. I quite enjoyed yes, it yes, yes, yes. when it came out. Um, but I also wanted to add about Captain America the First Avenger that Hugo Weaving is absolutely terrible. No. Oh, well, uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, your number 13, is that where we're at? Yeah, I think so. I shouldn't be so uncertain on every single number, but anyway. Wait, we help. This is the best bit of the podcast, is us losing count. Yeah, 13. Uh, my number 13 is Avengers Infinity War, which Ooh. I think is a pretty enjoyable uh, entry into the Avengers canon. But I do think it suffers from uh, just being a relentless push forward. Um, but everything uh, that is part of the film works pretty well, I think. Uh, it's just it's a little it's a little bit too much I think that's mm. all that's all I'll say about it. It is totally enjoyable, but uh, I do think it feels a little stretched out uh, to accommodate everything. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that. What is your number thirteen? My number thirteen is Thor: The Dark World. Hmm. Interesting. Which I I quite enjoyed. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> it was uh, much better than I expected it to be. Uh-huh. Um, even considering that some publications have placed it highly, I think Slant had it quite high as well. Well, whatever. But I discounted them on their Doctor Strange uh, ranking, so who knows? So I wasn't really sure what to expect, and I know that most people dismiss it out of hand. Um, but yeah, it's it's much 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 better than yeah. the first thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, including what it, even though like it doesn't do particularly great things with uh, Natalie Portman and uh, and Co. Uh, they do get a much better role in the film, so it feels it feels more like a proper film. Um, and uh, I guess I won't I won't spoil the bit that you want to talk about, yeah. which is the best bit. And then when we cover Thor of the Dark World uh, in mind, we're going to introduce my segment of the podcast, which is my top five MCU moments. Well, well. we're just going to stop mid-list and, yeah. and hear your yep. five. All right. Yep. All right. Wow. Very, uh, sub-list. Mm-hmm. Inside the list. List inside a list. Um, yeah, but the Thor of the Dark World is pretty good and um actually even like the the climax is done pretty well it's not like a big bloated thing it has like a nice clever conceit where the two uh uh sparring partners are zapping back and forth in space dimensions and stuff yeah portals um that was quite fun that was good Uh and maybe maybe i would even rank it higher if i was in this list again because i'm just thinking back on it now but anyway well i've stuck it there i I definitely ranked it higher (laughs) so We'll talk about it again in a bit. Um, now, my number 12, right? Yes. I feel it's going to be another point of departure for us, which is the film Spider-Man Homecoming. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do about it, motherfucker? Mm. I'm going to take you down. <laughs> uh, which I think is enjoyable, um, but I don't know. I think like Spider-Man as a whole is kind of... Uh, will always be defined for me by the Ted, uh, this Ted Raimi movies. <laughs> well, Ted Raimi's in all of them, I think. Is he? I think so. Uh, <laughs> Sam Raimi movies. Uh, which I think he's are... usually in all Sam Raimi movies regardless, yeah, but I'm pretty sure he's at I'll least look, in I'll, I'll two of them, them. And um, I would suspect he's in all three so, somehow. But I think I may be um, 
rating Spider-Man Homecoming a bit low just because of how it, how it compares to those films, mm. uh, which are, uh, you know, two, three of the pinnacles of uh, superhero filmmaking, in my opinion. Um, but I think it is, on its own terms, very enjoyable. Um, but I don't really... <laughs> I don't know. I think I would like it more if I liked high school films more, which I did not like that much. So... Mm. I think it suffers a bit, in my opinion, for that. But I think it has one of the more interesting villains in the MCU. Uh, and it has an honorable mention for my top five uh, MCU moments where uh, the villain is revealed to Peter Parker. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it's a great moment. Um, and I think it's charming and funny, but a little lightweight for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's not as good as uh, <laughs> 11 other movies. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow that's pretty low that's pretty low pretty harsh it's, it's in the middle but i mean at this point i will say um pretty much every movie uh above uh the second iron man i think is good to enjoyable so mm. well at this point i will say fuck you so. <laughs> okay go ahead <laughs> say it say it you coward no i'm kidding okay i don't care okay. uh he is an off three spider in movies uh where are we we're number 12 number 12 uh, number 12, I have the first Iron Man. Mm. Um, this is something I suspect my opinion of it may maybe even drop if I watched it again, because I haven't seen it since it first came out, and that was, like, right at the start of this whole shebang. So I do remember, like, it it setting the tone and template for the MCU. I think I have to give it some props yeah. for that. Um, and I do remember, like, having a pretty good time with the first two-thirds. Like, the last third of the film is, like unbearably bad with <laughs> Jeff Bridges in a giant robot suit. I hated that. It's so unlikely. You know what I mean? Um, it's one of those things where it's like the, the antagonist of the film is just like a business partner, right? Yeah. So they have to find some way of him being able to like spar mano a mano with the protagonist. Yeah. So, it's <laughs> so they have to stick him in a suit and Duh. stuff. So it's, yeah, it's silly. Anyway, uh, that's Iron Man. That's number 12. What's your number 11? My number 11 is Thor Ragnarok, which I actually think is pretty similar to uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, in my opinion, which I think it's very enjoyable, very funny. But, um, you know, I just don't find it to be that... Um, it doesn't really stick with me that much. So Ooh. it just feels sort of lightweight. Um, yeah, that's basically what I have to say. I do think it, uh, it's probably, well, there you go. That's all, that's all I'll say. What about you? What is your number 11? My number 11, is that what we're up to? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. My number 11 is the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Now, I don't love this film particularly, and I don't think that the type of humor is, is quite attuned to my sensibilities, mm-hmm. but I do kind of credit it's slight sliver of individuality amid the other Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Like it does seem to have a, a particular tone and point of view that is slightly distinct. Sure. And that's, that's the main thing I credit it for. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I kind of, I, I kind of, uh, appreciate, I think it was a good way of introducing intergalactic stuff into the MCU. I think it found a, a, a way of doing that. Yeah, I agree. That uh, was in keeping with the rest of the things. Like, it didn't, uh, while still being its own thing. Sure. And that sort of set the precedent for the way the MCU has dealt with intergalactic stuff in Infinity War and such. 
So that's that's where it sits for me. It's just outside the top ten. What is your number ten? Now we're in the top ten. Wow. My number ten is the recent release Captain Marvel, which uh, is totally enjoyable. You could listen to our feature length podcast on it to hear my opinions in depth. Wait, is that my number ten? I don't know. Oh yeah, it is my number ten. I'm sorry. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is Votra Nombra? I forgot to do this whole podcast in French. Damn it. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, je suis number ten. <laughs> I am number ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should say set air Avengers Infinity War. Huh? Uh, my number ten is Avengers Infinity War. Well, wow, I'm actually kind of surprised that you have that ranked higher than I have it. Yeah, yeah. But such is the way of life. Uh, I kind of like it a little bit more in retrospect than I liked it immediately after watching it. Mm. But um, I do think it, it had something of that. It, it had something of the spirit of the best of the crossover comics yeah, where there's totally those agree. big splash pages and fun. And the fact that it's just all action I kind of appreciate because mm. usually the problem I have is the rest of the film having a kind of interesting and more satisfying dramatic build-up and humour and whatever, and then there's a really boring battle. Whereas this is just like all boring battles. So <laughs> it's, it's better. Uh, that's stupid. It's a plateau. Um, no, no, that's not true. The, the, actually, the the thing about this is all the most of the battles in it are uh, like sort of contained because they're yeah. just building off one another and they, they, they split the characters between various parts of the universe and, and whatever. So it's just like little set piece after another, and I kind of enjoyed the what it is yeah. um, and what, what it represents. So that's my Infinity War, intergalactic nonsense and stuff. Uh-huh. It's fun. It is fun. That's true. Number nine uh, for you. My number nine for me is <laughs> a film I believe that you already talked about. Uh, Probably. Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> wow, that's high. Which uh, I have an inexplicable fondness for. Um, I think I think uh, it is a film that is is both something that uh, I like as a movie. I think it has some uh, <laughs> uh, interesting um, set pieces. I really like um, uh, <laughs> what's his name. <laughs> I don't know James Spader a lot. I have a lot of fondness for James Spader, and I think he's pretty terrific as Ultron. <laughs> I assume that you disagree with me. Well, the work is done once you've said, okay, James Spader is going to be <laughs> yeah, this robot great. guy. Like, there's nothing else to fill in. Though. It's great. It's great. And I've seen him play a bad guy like that so many times that it just <laughs> I enjoy it. meant nothing to me. I enjoy it. Um, I, I, uh, I just I find this movie completely incoherent, but I find the bits that it's assembled up to be almost purely pleasurable. Um, and it, 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 unlike Avengers Infinity War, which feels like a, uh, issue of a, um, you know, crossover, uh, this one feels like you're jumping into a middle of a crossover without having read any of the previous comics, <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, as something that I've done several times before, and I find to be a pleasurable experience, unlike most people. It feels like, yeah, you've gone to one issue of like a multi-series arc and you've read this, the page 
that tries to explain what's happened so far. Yeah, and it's just and that's the film. <laughs> yeah. I, I I really like how much uh, nonsense is in this movie too. Okay, like mm. the inexplicable Thor stuff where he goes into a, a cave and is given this vision. It's like, what the hell is happening? Like, who cares? And nothing comes of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I like that. I don't know what to tell you besides that. Um, I think I think the action in this movie is way better than in uh, the first Avengers, for instance. Um, and uh, uh, I, I really like how they kill Quicksilver. <laughs> I think it's really funny. Spoilers, I guess. I I find it really hard to remember this film, and <laughs> I saw it like a few weeks ago. So. I, I just I just quite enjoy it. I don't know what to say besides that. Um, there you go. It just tickles a part of my brain that I know that a lot of people do not get tickled. This part of the brain does not get tickled by this movie that much, but uh, it definitely gets tickled for me. Um, so there you go. There's not really much of a defense, but uh, that's where it is. So. You, ha- you have nothing to defend. This is your personal list. It is. Defending it from you, you scumbag. My number nine. Uh-huh. Is that what we're up to? Number nine? Number no, we're nine. not up to number nine yet. Number nine. Is uh, Ant Man. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally watched the whole thing. <laughs> uh huh. Um, so I'd watched basically eighty percent of it, I think, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, and then, uh, and yeah, so I finally watched it all, and mm, that's funny. Uh, I actually found it a little bit flat. You are. Now, I'm ranking it pretty highly, uh, I guess, as far as it goes, but I, d- I do think it's it's maybe a little bit overrated. Well, I mean, I don't think that's, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people don't really like it that much. So, so maybe it's perfectly rated for you. Maybe it's perfectly rated. Yeah. Maybe it, it balances out. Uh, yeah, there's something flat about it. And I thought like when I first, when I first watched 80% of it, I didn't think it, it, it sort of betrayed the compromise behind the scenes of, you know, shifting creative teams and stuff. I thought it, it did a it seemed to do a fairly good job under Peyton Reed, mm-hmm. um, but now watching it, I kind of feel that way. Like it, not that I necessarily am saying that I would have the film that uh, Edgar Wright would have made would have necessarily been better because I have some problems with some of Edgar Wright's work, but it does feel like something has happened and there's a flattening effect and it, it there's a little bit of a dullness to the way this plays out. Oh, that's funny. I, I really didn't feel that at all when I saw it. Um, and and they don't quite get the character right for Paul Rudd. I think brings a lot of himself, I mean, brings a lot of his inherent charm to, to sort of fill in the gaps, but it doesn't it doesn't quite seem all there for me. Oh. So I found it a little bit flat, but I still obviously enjoyed it quite a lot because it's number nine. Yeah. So there you go. And uh, now you know what I was talking about that bit with the, uh, with, uh, the Cure song at the end. Yes, Which feels yes. like an Edgar Wright moment, but was not an Edgar Wright moment. Hmm. So. Number eight. So. Number. Oh, is that it? Mm-hmm. My number eight is a film that uh, you talked about already. It is Thor: The Dark World, <laughs> which I thought was supremely enjoyable. I uh, basically have no complaints about it at all. Uh, I do think that I can understand why some people would not enjoy it, but uh, I find the parts that people do not enjoy, say like the the nonsense about the villain and stuff like that, to be totally enjoyable. 
<laughs> I wonder how strange it must have been to be Christopher Eccleston in this movie and basically have a 50% of your lives be this nonsense language. <laughs> like, what a strange experience that must be. Uh, I think it is a really bizarre film. Uh, I think it has a really uh, goofy and enjoyable sense of humor that is, I think, a little separate from the other MCU films, which tend to be like sort of quippy. Uh, and that tends to be their, their, tends to be like wine based humor, you know? Um, the Ant Man movies being the exception, I suppose. Um, but I quite enjoyed how uh, strange and goofy it is. I think that uh, it helps by having uh, a much bigger budget than the first Thor movie, which is evident, I think, in the fact that they show so much of Asgard and it looks pretty good. Uh, I think it is mm. really well designed, and I uh, I don't know. I find I like both Hemsworth and uh, Hiddleston a lot more in this one than in the previous one for some reason. I do think there are some under underdeveloped parts. Like I think it is really funny that uh, it seems like they're going for like a love triangle between with Thor and Natalie Portman and Sif, but then it just sort of doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. It feels like they just cut it out of the movie, which is funny. Um, but honestly, I, I kind of prefer them not to do that, so I'm glad they cut it out. Um, and uh, it has one of my top five Marvel mo- moments in it, which I will begin to enumerate right now. Wow. Are you excited? Yep. Top five MC moments. And my number one... And this unranked list is a sequence in Thor The Dark World, the movie I just talked about, where Mm -hmm. uh, this one has actually two competing moments that I find to be extremely amusing. Where the first one is Stellan Skarsgård running naked uh, around um, Stonehenge, something I never expected to see in a Marvel (laughs) film, but which they gave to me and boy did they give it to me. Uh, I love it. It's so funny. Uh, and the way they're presented as part of a newscast, I think is hilarious. Um, there's an honorable mention also in the scene where he is explaining his idea for the like dimension stabilizing device. And, uh, he, <laughs> and he, um, is, it's one of those jokes that is such a, it's a generic setup, but I always find it amusing where someone is going is is talking in this very specific way, which makes you assume that the audience is either going to be the heroes or a school or something like that. Um, but he has drawn this detailed plan on a chalkboard, and it turns out he is talking to a bunch of crazy people, and I love it. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, my another uh, great moment is in the movie uh, <laughs> Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Um, which is the bit where Gary Shadowing says, Hail Hydra, which is hilarious. <laughs> it just sort of comes out of nowhere, and you're like, <laughs> I can't believe they got him to, to play this role where he just does that, and that's it. That's pretty much it. Um, so I think that part is great and very funny. Uh, my third favorite moment is a bit in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, where uh, Scott Lang, uh, the Paul Rudd character, gets shrunk down to, I wrote here, Quifford size. (laughs) (laughs) Which I talked about at length on the episode of that movie, and uh, I still think it is probably my favorite moment in the MCU as a whole. Uh, Very funny stuff. Um, My number four moment is um, the bit in Captain America Civil War, where Vision has a (laughs) sweater and a collar shirt on. I just think that is a very funny visual. Uh, 
of a robot wearing a trying to appear human by wearing a um, sweater and a collared shirt. Mm -hmm. So that's funny, funny stuff. And then finally, this is a moment that you can find in any Marvel movie that's ever been made, which is people getting thrown or being thrown through glass, which happens in all of them. It is probably the defining feature of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the fact that people get thrown through or themselves are top five MC moments. What is your number nine film? Uh, number think, eight film. Yeah, number eight film. My number eight film. Number is... seven film. <laughs> number seven. Is it number seven? One, two, yeah, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, number eight. I'm up to number eight. No, I think it's number seven. No, I'm number eight. No, I don't think so. I think it's number seven. No, I'm counting. I've got the thing in front of me. One. I've I'm got, also counting. I'll tell you how many I've got left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, yeah. No, no, I've got... Because we're discounting Avengers Endgame, right? Yeah, that's so. not included. I've got eight left. Oh, yeah, okay. You're right, you're right. Sorry, my bad. My bad. Yeah, you're right. Set, set me up again. So your number seven. <laughs> my number seven your, plus number one. eight. Yeah. Your number eight. My number eight is Iron Man 3. Mm. Which is the most enjoyable of the Iron Mans. Mm -hmm. um, it, it seems to have a better handle on the whole narrative in terms of the, mm -hmm. the act structure. In uh, What am I trying to say? It seems to have a better... Uh, <laughs> it's a better total experience than either of the previous two uh iron men's yeah it's a uh what do you would call what um uh, uh wagner would call a complete artwork or total artwork it's a, yeah it's, it's like a, it's it's properly traditionally structured um some people have even criticized it for being too much like a shane black film Which um, is funny. but i i appreciate the fact that it has a distinct a relatively distinct voice in the mcu me too and um there's gentle moments of subversion mm -hmm. in terms of pulling the rug out from under view with the villain mm -hmm. and stuff like that, which is kind of interesting. And mm -hmm. um, it's enjoyable. It's an enjoyable film. It is. That's true. You'll see it later on my list. Uh, so I think we're up to your number seven. My number seven is the aforementioned Captain America, the first Avenger, mm. um, which I think has a very enjoyable, goofy uh, sort of retro tone that I like a lot. Then you should watch uh, The Rocketeer. I'm sure I would like that too. Um, but yeah, I, I find uh, Captain America to be probably the most compelling single adventure or single Avenger, uh, except for maybe Ant-Man. One of those two. Uh, and I think that the movie is uh, entertaining. I, I do agree, uh, totally disagree with you about Hugo. I think he is very entertaining as the Red Skull. <laughs> Because I think he is really uh, campy and hilarious, <laughs> and I think his German accent is uh, a must. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and I really just enjoy the film's uh, sort of goofball, and, and it's very it's a very corny film, you know. Mm. Uh, Whereas it's hard on its sleeve, and I think that is a quite endearing characteristic. Just like Captain America himself. Exactly. Exactly. So there you go. Gee shucks. And I do agree that the, the romance is a little underdeveloped, but whatever. Is it even in the film? Yeah. Like, I know they hint towards, like, a missed opportunity or something. 
Yeah, that's kind of what. But that's it. Like that can't be what he predicates his entire the rest of his life upon. Like what I, don't, the fuck? I don't know Come if on. I Come agree on. with that. Oh, anyway, whatever. Right. We're not going to have ourselves. Let's go. Okay, what's the the next one for you? Uh, the next you one for me. Number seven. Number seven. Is it number seven now? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's number seven. Number six. Uh, whatever. Number seven. You just did number eight. Number seven. Number seven. My number seven. <laughs> I'm keeping all the confusion about the, <laughs> the fighting in, okay, in the great, fight. Like um, uh, uh, my number seven is Ant Man and the Wasp, which we've talked about on this very podcast. We both enjoy yeah. it. Uh, uh, but I, I do think I enjoy it more than the original Ant-Man. Hmm. Um, and I think they had maybe a better grasp of, uh, the Ant-Man character played by Paul Rudd in this film. <clears throat> Your number six. Six. My number six is the recently mentioned Ant-Man. Hmm. Which is, I just think it's, uh, purely enjoyable. Uh, my feelings about the Ant-Man... These are basically the same. I think they're both really fun. I really like watching him get small and get big again. And, well, then uh, Ant-Man is the film for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I do think Ant-Man has a... Uh, it, it is benefited by its um, narrative structure where it is, you know, it's essentially structured around this heist. So it, it wins it sort of a unique flavor, I think, in the uh, MCU films for that reason. Mm-hmm. And I quite enjoy it. Um, and I think it is only slightly worse than its successor. So there you go. What is your number six? Uh, my number six is Captain America, the winter soldier. Mm. And, uh, it took me a long time to get around to watching the Captain America films that, uh, the Russo brothers, uh, made their name with. Or if you can point to one set of filmmakers who are the auteurs of the Marvel universe, besides Kevin Feige, it must surely be them. By this point, yeah. Well, I, I guess you could say them and those two screenwriters. Yes. Who have worked on everything plus more than they have, in fact. Yes, yes. So uh, the team of teams, the the duo directors and the duo screenwriters. The brothers of brothers. Mm. The others aren't brothers, are they? No, but I like to pretend that they are. My deluded fantasies. Um. So Captain America, the Winter Soldier... Uh, I think what I enjoyed most about it, I, I watched a lot of these in, in quick succession, so they kind of blended into one a little bit. But anyway, uh-huh. what I remember of The Winter Soldier is that I was actually quite impressed by the way they handled the action sequences. And I think the Russo brothers' strength is in grounded action sequences, not so much cosmic action sequences. Hmm, interesting. So I think that some of the most satisfying action in the whole mcu i think they have directed yes in both the captain america films that we'll talk about shortly including this one but not so much the avengers to be honest like i think Mm. that they were better in the captain america films than they were in the avengers infinity war films in terms of the action set pieces well i might disagree and i might not we'll see we'll find out um but yeah certainly there are some uh, I think Winter Soldier is, is the one, right, that has that sequence in which they're trying to capture, um, fuck, I forget everyone's name, Samuel L. Jackson's dude. <laughs> yeah, and the car gets blasted. What the fuck's his name? Um, Nick Fury. Nick Fly. Jeez, Fury. did you even watch these fucking movies? <laughs> <laughs> but that, so is the Winter Soldier the one that has that, like, tense sequence where they're trying to... Uh, and the cars, and they're chasing him down. Up. Yeah, that's, that's that one. And he escapes through the sewer. Um, yeah. But the, the tone of that whole sequence is quite unusual in... 
the MCU. I think that was a different flavor. Yeah, it's very intense. And uh, they handled that really well. So there's some action scenes that are really satisfying mm. just on a technical level. Um, and I think that is th- their strength. I also think they're good at balancing the humor of these movies more than some others. Yeah, I do think they do have a good tonal balance. And I, I think particularly in a film that will be higher up in our ranking. Perhaps owes to uh, their background as TV director or um, mm. co- TV comedy directors. Your number five. Uh, my number five is Ant-Man and the Wasp, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And it's good. It's funny. Cool. It's, it's very enjoyable. Um, yeah. There you go. There's a whole episode about it, so just listen to that. <laughs> uh, my number five is Thor Ragnarok. Mm. And I would say as a whole film, it's not great. <laughs> uh-huh. Genuinely. I think it, like, it has some issues, and it, there's, there's bits that are kind of dull, and uh, the climax is, kind of, is not that interesting. Uh, yeah, this it's is not... a... But I, I genuinely do appreciate different flavors in the MCU, because I think the, mm. the main problem is that they can feel a bit homogenous. Yeah. So there are, like, there are moments and scenes and sequences in this that feel very strange in the context of uh, the rest of the films, even in comparison with something like Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. which I guess is going for a similar thing. Mm-hmm. But um, the main thing is that the whole uh, stretch of the film set on that planet with Jeff Goldblum. The trash planet. The trash planet. Yeah. Is is offbeat and weird in mm-hmm. uh, an enjoyable way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main reason I like it is that it reminded me a lot of uh, the TV show Lex. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. To the extent where I wouldn't be surprised if there was some uh, conscious... If you ever uh, interview Taika Waititi, you should ask him about Lex. I will ask him. Um, But, like, that premise where, like, he gets stranded on this planet and he's Uh um, imprisoned uh, by this horrible sort of warlord guy who's weird and evil, uh, whatever it is. That's a bad explanation of it, but you get Yeah, it is, but it's okay. Um, that is like the premise of like every episode of Lex. And not the ones that I've seen. Well, you haven't seen it beyond the first setup uh, installment. Yeah, I guess that's true. But essentially, so the next two films in that series, in that first series, uh, feature length TV episodes, uh-huh. um, are basically this. Uh, one of one of which has Tim Curry and the other of which has Rutger Hauer. <laughs> wow, sounds great. So it is great. Um, and one of which is a trash planet. In fact, <laughs> the one that Rutger Hauer has, and he's the evil dictator, of the, the quirky dictator of the trash planet that they get mm. imprisoned and embroiled in, and that has its own weird rituals and stuff. So it's basically like every episode of Lex. Mm. Um, and that's what I am rating above all else. Yeah, as the whole film is not that satisfying, but, but when I think back on those sequences, it reminds me of Lex, therefore it's number five. <laughs> number four, number five, number five. You're, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> Your number four, please. My number four is the recently mentioned Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And basically, for all the reasons that uh, uh, you like, you listed. Um, but I also like that uh, the groundedness of that's ridiculous stuff like um, Robert Redford being a Nazi and uh, the scientist from the first Captain America movie uh, having preserved his <laughs> consciousness in a DOS computer uh, makes it uh, that more fun when they do crazy nonsense like that, I think. Mm. Um, and that's that's it. What's your number four? 
My number four is Captain Marvel, which again we have talked about on a previous podcast. Um, uh, yeah, I found it really satisfying. So that's yeah. number four. You're just a PC loser. Yep. Number three for you. Number three is Black Panther, <laughs> mm-hmm. which we also have talked about on episodes that never released. <laughs> um, I was actually thinking of releasing that at some point. Uh, um, I might go back and re-edit it or something. But we'll yeah, see. whatever. He, he released it as a uh, Project A Plus that early years. Um, so yeah, Black Panther. It's just a really well-made and enjoyable film. Uh, and has a sense of style and verve that the rest the majority of the other Marvel films don't have, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a good soundtrack, which a lot of them don't have either. So, yeah. Especially the first Iron Man, which maybe that's one of the reasons I rated it so low, is the fact that I really don't like the constant, like, uh, heavy rock songs. But it played the song Iron Man. Come on. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Black Panther. And I think it's got, it's bolstered by just a series of really good performances, uh, especially Chadwick. Bozeman as the Panther Man and uh, Eric or Michael B. Jordan as uh, the bad guy, <laughs> Killmonger. So, what is your number three? My number three is Captain America: Civil War, mm. mm-hmm. which is your number one, I guess. But that's my that's my prediction. That's I've got two films. Left. That's my prediction. But anyway, I, can, I, I bet I know what your number one is too, motherfucker. <laughs> Civil War. Uh, it it it. So to, to build on everything I said about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, mm. this again has really nicely directed action sequences. And I was particularly impressed by the uh, superhero showdown oh, yeah, in, that part in is, like an airport. It's great. Because there's, there's n- nothing like that in the rest of the MCU films, and there should be. No. Because the kind of the joy of the comic books yeah, is when... Watching these, uh, characters fight each other yeah when the when your favorite superheroes uh conflict with one another and have a big fight and then it turns out to be misunderstanding or whatever but whatever there is a bit of that in the first avengers movie but i don't really like it. yeah no no but i mean like the way i mean there's there's attempts at this type of thing in other films including films the russo brothers have done but not none of have ever actually pulled it off like this in Mm. which it was a genuinely satisfying sequences from all angles as I said, because they're, they're good at like ground, more grounded action, not so much cosmic action, I do appreciate the fact that they set it in quite a bland airport. So all you're really focusing on is these really colourful characters against this grey industrial backdrop. And it really allows them to have a lot of fun with the clashes between the characters and even good humorous beats and stuff like that. I just found it really satisfying in a way that I rarely do with their action set pieces. I mean, MCU as a whole. Um, and that genuinely felt like a comic book come to life, the sort of thing I, I loved reading as a kid. So that was very satisfying. Uh, no, but I think the Russo brothers do a really good job of balancing the whole narrative of this film. I think it has quite a satisfying arc. Yeah, I agree. I think it's got a great... Uh, I think the villain's probably the best one in the entire MCU for me. Yeah, and building to quite a dark moment of conflict between the two superhero characters and actually pulling it off. And I, I like that. I think it's the one um, that is the most successfully serialized, too. Yeah. Because the conflict really works if you are like, oh, okay, I understand why someone would feel this way and because of the actions of those other movies, you know? So that's why I think I agree. It's good, twist, good stuff. 
it sort of does everything right that the two previous Avengers films, uh, as in Age of Ultron and the original Avengers, do wrong, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's probably the pinnacle of blockbuster, recent blockbuster filmmaking for me. Except mm. for, like, The Last Jedi, maybe. Uh, your number two. My number two is Iron Man 3, <laughs> which you talked about. Uh, you basically highlighted everything I enjoy about it. Uh, I think that the introduction of uh, Shane Black, I mean, who I like more than you do, I think must be said, I think. Yes, although I did appreciate the nice guys. Yeah. Um, I think his sensibility is a really great fit for the Iron Man character. I do quite enjoy the way that this film uh, continually upsets your expectations, and I think it's mm. really funny and uh, really well done. And I think there's not a single element in it that I think is uh, miscalculated or wrong. And it has one of my favorite uh, action sequences in the entire MCU, which is the bit where um, the people are falling off the plane, which really, I really, uh, really gets me for some reason. And I think it's an interesting use of, like, Iron Man stuff without him just, like, blasting people, you know? Which is what I think they sort of fall back on too often. Yeah. Um, and that, that one I also like is just a, a way of showing him as someone who can think on his feet. I think it's a really good character moment and also a good action sequence. So it's good stuff. Like Iron Man three a lot. I really enjoy the um, the how it turns into basically just a uh, a buddy cop movie halfway through mm. as well. Really, like the last two thirds are just um, Tony Stark and uh, and James and and Rhodes just running around uh, shooting people with guns, which I think is enjoyable. <laughs> anyway, my number two yeah is the aforementioned uh, Black Panther. Wow, I really don't, I've completely lost, I've like not focused enough on the ones that you've been saying, so I really don't know what you're number one. Oh no, I guess I do. No, I yeah, you do. Never mind. We're both so fucking predictable, aren't we? Yeah, my number two is Black Panther. Um, yeah. <laughs> is that it? I, I, uh, I agree with what you said about it. I, I particularly enjoy Chadwick Boseman in the lead. Um, I think he's one of the best uh, of all the marvel heroes so far in terms of his performance yeah i totally agree and i, I think he's a bit un- underutilized in the other entries unfortunately i i really like his his the way they use him in civil war i'll say i think he's a good character arc. i think the introduction there is great but in the subsequent avengers films he's he's a bit underutilized i think yeah perhaps because they uh you know i mean those films were sort of intended to say au revoir to the white uh, other players uh, of them or yeah. the ones that are um you know white whose contracts are out white. so yeah and male <laughs> so uh that's why that that he's kind of um pushed the side in those i think marginalized you could say yeah <laughs> uh we're up to your number one. Oh, did i finish what i was saying about black panther i can't remember i don't know did you have anything else to say about it Oh, I liked, so it has uh, some of the best design in uh, MCU films. Yeah, the brief I, would, I would definitely agree with that. Segments we get of Wakanda, maybe too brief, mm-hmm. um, do, but do demonstrate a more interesting visual palette and design sense than yeah. we're used to, and I really enjoyed that and I wanted more of it. I do wish um, they had gotten a little more time just to like hang out in Wakanda, though. Yeah, me too. There's just like a scene where he's just, like, you know, walking around. Just like the stuff in Korea is kind of like, this doesn't really need to be in here. Like, yeah. They could have done this another It's enjoyably one. made, but yeah, I agree. It's kind of, it feels a little superfluous. Or it feels like they're like, we need to make sure that this film reaches the Asian market. So let's include a sequence that it takes place in, in Korea. 
Um, I found that the final battle uh, was a little bit bland at times, but I think the the core narrative arc and the you know Michael B. Jordan stuff, yes, yeah, uh, is one of the strongest uh, villain plots in, sure. in MCU films, as everyone sure. has pointed out. Um, sure. Yeah, that's what's your number one? Who knows? My number one, um, which I assume we can intuit based on the process of elimination and also uh, the fact that Suicide I Squad. have talked it. Yes, Suicide Squad. It's not even an MCU film. <laughs> it's the preemptive Suicide Squad 2, which is, will be directed by James Gunn. That's what yes, one. your favorite director. Yeah. Um, it is the movie Captain America Civil War, which I just think is, it's basically just a perfect blockbuster for me. I, I think just everything in it just really works. Um, and I think it is the definitely the most successful of their films to rely on uh, serialization, um, possibly excluding Endgame, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, and I just think that I really like the villain. I think all of the arcs in the film really work. Um, and I, I really love the part at the beginning where Tony Stark is like creepily de-aged himself so he can do this demonstration to these, uh, you know, these... MIT students, I think that part is just so weird and, and strange and great. I, I don't know, all the action is just really well done, and I think it really nails the introductions of both Black Panther and Spider-Man. Um, mm. And I just think it's a great film. And that's it. Okay, so the one thing I wanted to add that I forgot to mention when last when I talked about it in my number three discussion uh-huh. uh, is the fact that I think... Uh, this is the fruition of Ant-Man that wasn't quite there in the original Ant-Man film. It, it really um, emphasises that Ant-Man actually fulfills quite a crucial role in the ensemble of the Marvel Universe, sure. which is the audience surrogate, more so than anyone else. Yeah. So, like, Spider-Man can be that to an extent, but he's more like... Uh, it's, it's more about the fact that he's a, a, a naive teenager, you know, grappling yeah. with his own problems. Whereas Ant-Man is a grown man who is just kind of amazed that he's in this scenario with his other superheroes. And the fact that we kind of have a, a existing relationship with Paul Rudd from his comedy work adds to that. Yeah. Uh, I also think um, Paul Rudd is, like, just great in these movies, too. Yeah, I think he's really good. And But, yeah, and I think I really enjoyed him in, like, the the showdown sequence in the airport that we talked about. Um, all the stuff that he does in that is really fun. and Yeah. It really draws you in as an audience, and I think that's that's the best part of his his role in the uh, MCU films. I think. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, uh, what is your number one? Wait, can I guess? Uh, yes, you can. It is the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yes, the Amazing Spider-Man Two. It is Venom. Um. <laughs> Slash Venom. It's sort of a tie. Yeah, yeah. You haven't even seen. You, you need to watch. Honorable it. mention is the Amazing Spider-Man One. You need to watch Venom. I do. My number one is Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. as you might have intuited. I did intuit that, yeah. Intuited? Intuited. Is that even a word? Yeah, what would the other past participle of it be? Yeah, I guess I guess that has to be it. But you don't often hear that. No. You often hear intuit, like I... I intuit. Yeah, I intuit that. that. I intuited. Sounds weird. Whatever. And that's all I have to say about Spider-Man? No. Um, <laughs> I intuit that it is a film that you like. <laughs> I have, I, so I'm similar to you in that I have a lot of affection for the Sam Raimi, for the mm. Sam Raimi um, Spider-Man films, especially the first two. The mm. third one less so, but it, it does have its own <laughs> uh, enjoyable moments, I guess. But um, 
I, I, I genuinely think that they, they got the character right in terms of conception and casting. Sure. In a way that the Spider-Man Raimi films don't quite do. I mean, they go for a kind of a different thing. But it, it, going as a comic book fan and as someone who loved the original uh, Ditko Spider-Man comics, I think the Tom Holland conception of the character uh, is a little bit closer to that or a little bit closer sure. to what I enjoyed about those comic books. Sure. Um, it's, I, I, I think maybe there's a balance between the two that might be perfect because mm. um, Holland doesn't quite get the existential angst or the angst, yeah. I should say, as well as... Um, as Tobey Maguire does in in the uh, in the Sam Raimi films, and the angst was always a part of the character, and there is something angsty about uh, particularly the Ditko rendition um, of of him. But I think otherwise, um, I think that Tom Holland nails the part, mm, and is really an enjoyable uh, conception. Well, you know character, what they could do to, to add a little more angst to it, especially after. Um, I don't think it necessarily needs it. I just think it's its own thing. I think it's fine to be different from what the comic book have exactly. They should bring Raimi back. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoy the film. It's just, I, I found a lot of the, this, again, I've only watched it on a plane, which is a, <laughs> a context that can lead you to overrate things, I think, because you usually watch a lot of garbage on planes. And sometimes if you watch something really good, it's like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I remember like all, most of the jokes landing really well for me. And that's not usually the case with uh, these type of films. So I really appreciated that. I appreciated the self-contained mm. narrative. I appreciated the lightness of it. I liked the teenage stuff. I don't necessarily have an affinity for um, high school stories or anything like that, but I uh. really enjoy high school stories in the context of Spider-Man. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I like, I, like I, the, my favourite parts of the, the original Spider-Man comics are when, like, you know, he's got a date lined up with... Yeah. Uh, whoever. But he's got to go save the world. But he has world. to save the world, and like he can't tell her that that's why he stood her up or whatever. That that is so uh, it's such an enjoyable fuel for for moments of melodrama and humor. Yeah, and there's a great scene of that exact thing happening in the movie Spider-Man. I mean, with the party sequence. And as you said, the the scenes with um, fuck, whose name is fuck? <laughs> I forgot everyone's <laughs> name today. You know what it is. Come on. Vulture Man. Batman. <laughs> what the is his name? The what Vulture, is played me? by Michael Keaton, as the Vulture and as the dad of his uh, prospective yeah. girl pal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very enjoyable and very well done. I agree. And yeah, it's good stuff. Good, A lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. We did it. We ranked them. Yeah, we did. But we both of the real MC was the friends that we made along the way. <laughs> and now it's time for the Avengers Edamame. The end game. Oh, end game, yeah. Sorry. I also said that completely wrong. I said the first three letters are the same, and that's not the case. <laughs> They're not. Yeah, that's that's right. It's just the first. Uh, <laughs> Some of the first one the is, is yeah. Uh, 
Endamame. <laughs> in fact, it, it starts similarly and ends similarly, so I can understand yeah. why you why would you would get confused. Yeah, but yeah. I've never done that, so I don't know what to tell you. You can tell me you've never done that. Okay, so in game, what is your ranking of in game? Well, let's talk about it first, and then we'll mm. get to the ranking. So, what is End Game? You know what End Game is? It's a movie. No, tell Oops. me what End Game is. I don't know what it is. It's a sequel to the movie Avengers Infinity War. Okay, and what's it? What's Thanos it about? has won. The heroes have lost. Huh. They decide to assassinate him. They do assassinate him. Spoilers, I guess. <laughs> um, and then they give a good time and stuff. I don't know. It. So does that qualify as a bad thing? I have a headache. So uh, in the previous installment, which hopefully all our listeners have seen, Infinity War, yeah, Big Bad Thanos wiped out half the universe. Pres- presumably, half most of your listeners have also seen this movie. Yeah, if you look at its box office numbers, <laughs> I think everyone in the world has seen this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's probably no need to set this movie up at all. Nope. But Thanos. He snapped, he killed them, uh, and then they're like, we have to kill them, and then they yeah. kill them. And then so then they have to find a way of spoilers. That's the end. Yeah, that's all we need to say. That's the film. Yeah. Great. So, Avengers Endgame, what did you think? <sighs> okay, well, for my money, Avengers Endgame is the perfect comic book movie. Mm. Not that it's a perfect movie, uh, nor even the best in this particular series of comic book movies. Spoiler, mm-hmm. it's not my number one. But it's not my number one either. But it is the perfect comic book movie for the way it represents perfectly the mainstream uh, comic industry. Mm-hmm. And let's run through it at uh, tedious length. <laughs> I'm going to take my head for <laughs> So first of all, first of all, there's the serialism that this narrative depends on, which I've already talked about in context with the uh, Captain America films. Yeah. Um, so not merely the fact that it's the uh, second part of the story that was set up in Infinity War, but um, to varying degrees, it's a continuation of, of stuff that has been going on for the previous 22, 21 entries or whatever it is. You know? So the, the seeds for this film have been sown over 21 previous films to varying degrees. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's something that Marvel is sometimes criticised for. Um, the way the movies don't always operate as standalone entries um, and uh, occasionally feeling like trailers for future installments, um, or at least that's that's how it's been criticised in the past. But I do think that it's one of the strengths of the MCU. I agree. You know, if we're going to have 22 of these things, and I guess we have to, um, plus more, it <laughs> yep. makes some God sense has to inject some... that we have to have. Continuity, right? Yes. Yes, God has decreed that we must have have these films. Um, And I think it's a rare example where something inherent in the medium of mainstream superhero comics is actually being realised on the screen. I agree. Um, We are so used to seeing exceedingly compromised adaptations of comic books on the big screen that it's kind of refreshing that the MCU... um, offers a, an example of, uh, of an adaptation that is in harmony with its source in that way. Yes. Um, and I think that is kind of interesting. The, 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 the architects of the MCU, I guess Kevin Feige and co, seem to understand the appeal of comic books, that the serialism is really what defines 
the media. Yeah. And uh, this leads me to a related feature, which again we talked about in context with Civil War, which is the idea of the crossover. Mm. Um, and this is another huge draw of the source of comic books, the interplay between these divergent characters, the conflicts and clashes and camaraderie that arises from these um, encounters between your like favourite superheroes, mm. right? And you kind of always enjoy when you're reading a particular comic book and following it month by month, you enjoy when they introduce another superhero from the world um, yeah. and they get to hang out for a while and fight or, or whatever. Which is, a, you know, an innovative feature of Marvel Comics, specifically. Yeah, yeah. So. and that was one of the things they were yeah particularly known for uh, in yeah. their heyday when they first uh, came on broke the scene. free from DC. Not when they first came on the scene, per se, because... They were around for a while under different names and stuff. But sure, sure, sure. But when Marvel Comics became Marvel Comics. The, yeah, the golden sort of Stanley, Jack Kirby, Ditko yeah. and Co. era. Ditko um, and Co. Yes. Uh, but anyway, the serialism and the crossovers are kind of related features. Yes. And um, both of these features, from a business perspective, are marketing strategies. So this, yeah. when you're talking about the comic book industry... The serialism keeps you coming back to the comic book store to buy the next issue because you want to see what happens next in the yeah, story. It's like television. Yeah, like television. And the crossovers, um, often spanning multiple series and special issues, are designed to make you buy even more of the product and maybe even um, entice you to, to try another series because you enjoyed yeah, the way that character you know, was represented. Might not watch. Yeah. Um, and you know, these sort of tactics sustain the industry for a while. But uh, inevitably, as, as we usually see, the, the sales will start to stagnate. And that happened to Marvel yeah. and DC at various points. And what, what they do, what both companies do, is they come up with uh, another strategy, which is the, the same strategy that they, they both regularly use, which is a big event, quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, but I, I think it's because uh, really the big events really came into their own in like the 90s. Yeah. So pretty pretty far along in Marvel's history, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were there were some scattered ones like Secret Wars, but for the most part. Yeah, it particularly became we had a glut of these things from the nineties yes. onwards, um, and to this day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they sort of start to tease this big event. Um, the marketing goes into portentous mode. You know, it'll say something big is coming. Um, they, they prophecy big changes in the in the lineup, and they design the sort of uber serial uber crossover story by introducing usually some major threat, yeah, um, to the entire universe of, of, of in which the characters reside, and it's going to be a story that is told through the entire comic book lines, each individual series, and which will result in this massive multi issue, overpriced special event climax. That you simply can't miss. You're so invested in it at this point because it's crossed over everywhere. Yeah, because it's it's brainwashed you. It's brainwashed you. And usually they also tease the fact that someone is probably going to die. There's going to be a major yeah. shakeup of the universe. Yeah. There's going to be real stakes involved. It's not just going to be a big battle. Um, and in the actual stories that are told, especially the actual conclusion, what emerges is something that has been shaped by these competing forces. And these forces are corporate, so yeah. the shareholders of the company, the shareholders of Marvel's, um, looking for the most profit. Um, but they're also about the community, the fans invested in these characters and wanting something epic that validates uh, their investment as well. 
mm-hmm. and also um, artistic forces, so the actual creators making the comics themselves. Um, sure. Wanting to do their best work or something that they can be proud of within those confines, you know. This is, the, I guess, the nature of producing any artwork that is being sold. You do have these competing yeah. impulses. And Which sometimes all, most of them. Yeah. Sometimes these these work except for my <laughs> except for the, uh, the brilliant arts, music yeah. that we both have made. So as I was saying, sometimes these these forces work in concert, or rather um, one of the forces subsides enough to allow something interesting to be created. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to these big events that happen in, in the comics lineup, um, something with with so much investment hype behind it, it's almost impossible for them to result in anything other than uh, a story that is somewhat compromised and disappointing. Yeah. Uh, and that is why I think Avengers Endgame is the perfect superhero movie. Being disappointed by the conclusion of a massive portentous story mm. involving all your favourite characters is essentially every second weekend at the comic book shop, right? Mm. And, uh, and that ends anything positive I have to say about the movie Avengers Endgame. Wow. Uh, <laughs> like, what do we get here, really? We get the hilarious hijinks of Fat Thor. Uh-huh. Great. <laughs> we get a hideously de-aged Michael Douglas um, looking to me like a high-end sex doll. Mm. But he's, like, barely in it, so... Yeah, we get Thanos watching earlier parts of the film to learn the hero's plan, like fucking space balls. Great. Let's 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 break down exactly what we get with this instalment. So the first act mm-hmm. is this maudlin nonsense that goes on for like forty minutes, where they dwell on the ramification of something that happened in the previous film that we already know is going to be undone. Uh-huh. I I don't pay to watch superheroes fucking mourn one another. <laughs> You know, and I like I like good melodrama, uh, and I think oh to go back to a previous point, I think Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films do that type of melodrama really well in a superhero uh-huh. context. Uh-huh. But th- this is to me, this is mourning as drama, and I, I found it unbearable. Wow! So that's the first act. There's all this nonsense. Oh. Act two is a motherfucking <laughs> best of clip reel mm. where they go back into previous films, um, which is a risky idea that could work if you did it in a really clever fun way but this is right? no <laughs> and then like amidst all the hilarious hijinks uh, uh-huh. of them traveling back into previous fucking avenger films they have to inject two uh dramatic moments where characters get to have one last um exchange with their mom or dad i mean come on then act three we get uh, some another tedious motherfucking bullshit battle right and then we get the act four slash the come down where we get some more goddamn mourning uh, and then a credit reel with the actor's signatures and that's that's the film wow. so i i genuinely like hated every moment of this wow. i found it interminable and and breathtakingly self-indulgent and yes i'm aware of the ridiculousness of labeling a film self-indulgent that everyone in the fucking world has watched and loved so yeah. <laughs> it's it can't really honestly be called self-indulgent no but, yeah uh, that's what i feel about it what did you well, feel about well, it well uh, take what you felt and i thought the opposite of it so opposite of what you felt okay. so 
cool. Basically, everything here worked for me. I thought it was funny and enjoyable, and uh, it just all worked. I don't know what to say besides that. Um, yeah, but I would say more if I didn't have a headache, which has sort of limited my ability to mm. to articulate anything, I think, at the moment. Um, but yeah, I thought it was uh, funny and unexpected and really enjoyable. So, there you go. What did you like most about it? I just liked it. I don't know. I don't know if I can point to one specific element. I just thought it all worked well in harmony, let's say. It was a satisfying conclusion yes, for you. It was. Mm. This actually made me like Infinity War a lot more. That's funny. Just in comparison. Hmm. Like, even though I didn't love that film and I had problems with that, like that had a, a sense of fun with the idea of bringing these characters together that I, this didn't really exhibit. This is like, well, now now the fun's over. Now we're just going to mm. mourn and stare think, meaningfully in the middle distance. True. I thought it was a lot of fun as well. So I don't know what to tell you besides that. And we, we, this sort of came up while we were talking about the Captain America films yeah. earlier. But the, the whole uh, romance between Captain America and uh, Peggy Carter, so poorly sketched out in uh, any of the previous films. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's like it more features. of a symbol of his, the life that he lost, right, as opposed to a uh, concrete relationship, I think. But what life did he lose? He just woke, <laughs> he woke up 70 years later and he got to keep living. <laughs> No, there's always been an element of dis- there's always been an element of dissatisfaction with it. I think. Yeah, I mean, and especially yeah, the I'm sorry, idea. this is just too subtle for you to follow, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, isn't that creepy? Like he's been longing for her for seventy years, and they never yeah. even like kissed. No, never. He's he's an incel. They've never really had me. They've like, you know, they they there was a bit of a spark between them. Yeah. But it's, isn't it a bit creepy to nurse like a seventy-year thing and then travel <laughs> back in time to like erase her personal history with her own husband and child? Does he have a husband and child? Yeah, she does. I don't think so. I watched some stupid uh, thing where Kevin Smith was talking about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's got to be true. Yeah, it's got to be. I true. don't think she has a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. She, I don't think when, so. When no, no. When he when he goes back to her and she's old in uh, one of the. Uh, the subsequent Captain America films after the first one, yeah. right? Um, she has a family at that point. I mean, they, they're dead. Or, I mean, her husband, I, I think, is dead. I, I really don't think that they um, talk about it at they all. They do. I don't think so. They do. Go I don't think so. Check, I will. Check I'll check the tapes. Check the tapes. <laughs> I'll rebut it. I'll rebut you. She speaks about her husband in that so. scene, I think. Yeah. I don't think so. But anyway, like, this is the culmination <laughs> of the entire, like, five-film <laughs> arc in yeah, which the Russo brothers and... Marty McFly have, have worked on. It's great. Um, like this stupid story. It's not so annoying. It's great. Because Peggy gets it's nothing like, to do. It's I like Lojete. Still. Um, the writers also worked on the TV show, right? Yeah, I think they helped showrun it or something. Yeah. yeah, I just found it wholly satisfying. And, and, okay, there's two more things I want to say. Actually, there's more than that. Oh, boy. So... I like that this this film attempts to address the question: What do we do with Hawkeye? Objectively, the worst character in the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. What do you mean? He's and they're great. like, let's make him even worse. Let's make him. Let's just let's get rid He's of his got a family cool tattoo. and make him an evil vigilante. It's great. <laughs> what do you mean? The movie is about him redeeming haircut. himself, you. <laughs> and then and then let's tease the possibility of him dying. Where we, we're all rooting for him to die. <laughs> And they killed Black Widow. Oh, uh, that scene, that scene's great. They're trying to—they're both trying to kill themselves. Yeah. So funny. But you just want to 
You were just rooting for him to fucking die. You were like, die! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. And the worst, the worst crime of all. One shot of Samuel L. Jackson. One shot. <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think, yeah. He's the architect of in many ways. <laughs> I think, uh, I think he's going to be big in, uh, he was obviously all over. Um, yeah, he'll be in Far From Home. Yeah, so I think I think they used up their uh, their resources on those. No, things, as opposed no, to this is like the culminating. Film. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's very. He's not even Infinity War at all. Um, what, did you have any issues with the way they resolved the Thanos plot? Not really. I just thought it was like so like dumb. <laughs> I mean, not that I'm expecting like a really amazing, clever I don't know what to tell you, man. resolution to the I really story. enjoy dumb uh, plot lines. We've already talked about the fact that like Thanos' plan is just the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. But I, one thing I, I think they should have done idiot. because we get the whole you know first act where they they they're dealing with the ramifications of his actions and they're marinating in the sadness of half the world dying or whatever, and they've had five years to do that, right? What they should have shown is how bad Thanos' plan was and how the fact that <laughs> well, yeah. removing, like, half the population of America would not solve America's problems. Like, they should they should have yeah. made that part of the narrative, I think. Yeah, whatever. Not just made people sad that their family died and they have to go to support groups. I think they should have shown, like, this doesn't actually help with the resource problem. This doesn't automatically give the poor people those resources. <laughs> I thought that would have been a, a, a good thing they could have done. But uh, anyway, well, they didn't. and then they go and ruin Thanos's motivations, which were flawed in the first place. But at least he was like the kind of villain who thought he was right and thought he was doing a greater good. Right. Um, yeah, he still is. And then they change it to, oh, now, now you've made me mad. So I will kill you all and start up a new <laughs> yeah, universe. Great. Yeah. Like, Come on. I thought that, that made total sense given his it just made him idiotic even, character. It just made it even dumber. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. Um, and okay, and so and then the way they end up resolving this, so they're, they're like, okay, well, so half the world has has vanished, half the universe has vanished. Yeah, I know. Let's just go back in time and stop that from happening, but still keep all the stuff that happened in the intervening five years, like all the births and deaths, like Tony Stark's Well, it doesn't really show daughter. you what happens with that. Well, he said he'll only do I it know. if he can also keep his daughter. So, like, essentially, they're going yeah. back in time, but saying, oh, time table works in a good way now, so it doesn't undo the future that's already happened and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So we can undo this while also having our cake and eating it too, you know? Yeah. I just thought that was like that's the way you're gonna do it, and I, I, I thought I enjoyed it. Like the, I enjoyed it. The setup with Ant Man should have allowed more stuff in the the quantum zone or whatever. Like that would have been more fun if they they did that more. Like it's his it's his like quantum revelation that leads to this time travel. But in practice, it's the same as any time travel. It's not actually going through the quantum zone in a fun way that would have made it interesting. No, it's just quantum like, quantum. Quantum it's just like rel- quantum realm. Yeah, we're in the original Avengers film. Yeah, quantum realm. Quantum realm. <laughs> Come on, man. Do you even watch this movie? Yeah, I watched this. Movie. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, um, this was something that was addressed. I think it was an AV Club article or something that said uh, the girl power moment was not earned. And I mean, you have mm. to concede that there's this ridiculous moment in the 
final fight scene with Thanos where they group all the female characters together to have this go girl moment that doesn't go anywhere. And then they get back yeah, to the rest cringy. of the narrative. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was, uh, that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. This is, this really didn't work for me. So I watched, uh, after seeing this film trolling mm-hmm. through YouTube as I do with most of my time, <laughs> um, I, I watched a few of those Graham Norton compilation videos uh, of uh-huh. interviews with uh, Avengers actors. Have you ever seen the Graham Norton show come up on your uh, feed? Only in clips. Your yeah, well, most of the, these days he's experienced via clips. Um, I think that's where it, it does. It does obviously broadcast in the UK and get an audience there, but I think it gets a, quite a big audience internationally just from the YouTube clips. And... Okay. Um, I watched like a 13 minute compilation of appearances by various MCU actors over the years, mm-hmm. essentially a highlight reel of their snappy anecdotes and jokes. And, yeah. you know, that gave me a sense of, um, warmth towards these people and the characters they've played and, and the history of the Marvel cinematic universe in yeah. a way that this film didn't. So that 13 minute compilation was like better than, <laughs> than this film. Uh, I- yeah, whatever. And it even brought me more emotional catharsis. Like, to watch okay, watch okay, great, great. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I really don't think people want to hear you talk about the Grand Norton yes, they show. Do. I don't. No, I just don't, don't think that the end game earned the pathos wow. that it's going for because it didn't tell a good enough story, and I, I just well, didn't care. I thought it was uh, more than a good enough story. I thought it was really enjoyable. I don't know what to tell you, man. And there was, there was actually one moment where I thought there was dramatic potential that they didn't use and that's to do with the time travel thing that i was talking about because i thought like you know um tony stark is reticent to go back into all the the shenanigans to try and solve this and he wants to move on with his life he's got a daughter and a family right you know and then they discover this potential to travel back in time somehow in order to get the infinity stones and undo this right and i thought well, what if that erases the previous five years? What if that erases his daughter's life? And then he has to grapple with the question, like, do I sacrifice my daughter's life to bring back half the population mm. of the universe that passed away? I thought that could have been an interesting question, but they don't explore it because they want to keep his daughter. They don't want to undo anything or have any negative consequence to that action. So, yeah, I mean, I guess they then transferred that to Tony Stark and Black Widow and Captain America exiting the franchise but still yeah uh what did you think about it in comparison to infinity war did you like it more than infinity war i liked it way more than infinity war so where would yeah we should uh we should not leave our audience hanging where would you rank avengers endgame i would put it at number three (laughs) number three (laughs) number three (laughs) in a way mine is at number three too if you flip my list so the number 20 number number exactly number yeah number 20 20 just above age of ultron <laughs> wow. and below the well, original thor <laughs> well, uh, I, I think you're completely crazy i think maybe you should watch it again <laughs> no i'm not watching it again <laughs> But I think it's funny that the, the Russos have, have been responsible for one of the best entries of this type and one of the worst as well. But not quite the worst. Oh, two, of the, two of the best, you know. Mm. I'll turn it away. 
So what's your top three again? So it's Civil War. Civil War, Iron Man 3, and then Endgame. Okay. All right, we've combined our list, and this is a definitive list of the best Marvel films. Oh, my head hurts so much. Why are you making me do this? Uh, let's just volley back and forth. Like the volleyball that's in my brain, the pain. We do have a couple of ties. Three, in fact. Three whole ties in our list. So we're not strictly counting down from 22 to 1, but in fact 19 to 1. Okay. Well, you, you go first. So number 19, tied for number 19, is the film The Incredible Hulk. Uh-huh. And the film The Thor. Two films that aren't very good. It's funny how voting worked on that one, where... One of us put one for The Incredible Hulk and four for Thor, and then the other one did the opposite. Yep. <laughs> so one of us has a Giving slight Giving a combined preference. total of five, five points. points. Yeah. Mm. Five points. Okay, you go next. Uh, number 18, we have Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. Uh, with a combined total of eight points. All right. And then number uh, number 17, we have another tie. Wow, another tie. Uh, between Iron Man 2 and mm-hmm. Marvel's The Avengers, which has a combined total of 11 points each. At number 16, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, with a whopping 12 points. Uh, at number 15, we have your favorite film of all time, Avengers Age of Ultron, yep. which has a whopping 15 points. At number 14, we have the original Iron Man with 18 points. At number 13, we have the very first Guardians of the Galaxy with 20 points. At number 12, we have Avengers Infinity War with 22 points. At number 11, we have Avengers Endgame with 23 points. Let's just soak in the fact that it's out of the top 10. <laughs> Let's that, soak in that the fact that I, my preference of the... Uh, Infinity War duology is at the top, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you did you put Age of Ultron above Infinity War? Yeah. Well, at least at least I get Infinity War higher than Age of Ultron then. <laughs> so what? <laughs> so I win. I like Endgame more than I like Age of Ultron. I like Pi. <laughs> okay. Right. Do you know Number I used 10. to say that in in high school? You're I thought that was. Loser. I thought I created it. Maybe I did. What? I like pie. Okay, so number. What's the next one? <laughs> uh, number ten is a tie, and I guess because you read the previous two ties out, I will also read these two ties out between Captain America: The First Avenger and Thor: The Dark World, both of which reached twenty-four points. Uh, and then. For the next film, which is number nine, is... Thor the next film. Thor the Ragnaroks. Mm-hmm. With how many points, boy? No, oh, uh... 29. I was reading about how, um... Crime Story, the next Michael Mann film, was inspired by Berlin Alexanderplatz. Hmm, interesting. Uh, you can go. Tying us back to Prince. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight. Who knew that Ant-Man. Michael Mann had a through line to Rainer Werner Fassbender in mm. Prince? Okay. Number eight is Ant Michael Mann with 30 points. Okay. Number seven is Captain Michael Marvel at 31 points. 
and I'm going to remove the anecdote about Michael Mann, so this will make no sense. <laughs> but next we have Perfect. Spider Spider Michael Mann. <laughs> Spider Man. <laughs> okay. With 32 points. Okay. Uh, next we have number five, Michael Ant Man Man and the Michael Man Wasp at 33 points. Yep. And then we have uh, Captain Man America. The Winter Soldier with 35 points. Okay, and then we have number three, uh, Michael Man, Iron Man, Michael Man 3 at 36 points. I actually like, I like the sound of just saying Michael Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> do we need to do that again? Michael Iron Man. Do we need to do that again? No. Uh, no, I don't need to do that Number three, Michael Man, Iron Man 3 at 36 no, points. No, just Michael Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the film Michael, it's Michael Man, Iron Man three. Michael Iron Man three. Michael Iron Man three. Okay. Uh, number two, we have uh, <laughs> Michael Ian Black Panther <laughs> with uh, forty points. And the number one, our favorite film in the Michael Mann cinematic universe is Captain America: Michael Mann Civil War with forty-two points. Hmm. Yeah, I win, motherfucker. I'm fairly fairly comfortable with saying when we combine our lists and uh, get this definitive ranking, I'm, I'm fairly happy with the fact that Civil War represents the pinnacle of the MCU. Me too. Even if it's not necessarily my personal favourite, I think it's an appropriate film to sit atop the pile of these films. And it does it does what you would want and hope as a young comic book fan. For sure. Okay. Do we have anything else else left to say? Oh, friend. Oh.